No, hello. It is Bowerly News Radio 930 WBEN. Good to be with you, my love. We're keeping an eye on everything going on with the weather. We had Andy Parker on uh, 2 to 2.30 today. If you want to go back and listen to it, you'll hear the weather in uh, all of its uh, glory and detail. Hey, you know how uh, we did a show not all that long ago, and it's a show I try to do about once a year, Tales of Testicular Terror? Well, I got one for you. Happened in Missouri. Don't you love stories about street justice? Well, this was street justice. This guy was going around in rural Missouri on an ATV, and he was ripping off people's catalytic converters. You ever had your catalytic converter stolen? It sucks. In fact, you go to a football game in L.A., they've got guarded parking lots just so nobody steals your catalytic converter. No kidding. So anyway, in Missouri... Uh, They had this string of catalytic converter thefts, so the uh, local cops were basically doing a a stakeout. And what do you know? The the, uh, fly flew into the web, as it were, but then flew off on his ATV. Cops finally corner this guy, and uh, they sent the police dog, the canine, after the suspect. And the suspect tried to fight off the canine. Not a good idea. So you're never going to believe where the canine latched his teeth. Yep, right in the, you got it, testicular tale of terror. And the uh, sheriff's department out in Missouri, I think Deloge, Missouri, um, put out a uh, photograph of the suspect. And he looks, looks like he's wearing some kind of a coverall outfit. But right where... That would be, you see, a splotch, which I can only presume to be blood. And I got to tell you something, that that area is so highly vascularized, he is lucky he did not bleed out. Just like John Wayne Bobbitt is lucky he did not um, bleed out. But, uh, you know, looking at the picture of this uh, catalytic converter thief, the look on his face... uh, Number one, I don't think he's all there. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that drugs were somehow involved in the reason why he was stealing catalytic converters. But uh, it, it, you talk about instant justice for somebody. Yep, right in the boys with a canine. I cannot imagine a worse place to be bitten by a dog. At least not for a. Uh, at least not for a man. Um, I want to. Uh, I want to do something here that uh, I don't know that we've ever really done it before. But, you know, the announcement of Bruce Willis's continuing battle, and it will be a downhill and losing battle, unfortunately, with dementia, is certainly in the news. And whenever a celebrity or somebody we all know comes down with uh, dementia, which comes in many forms, it, it makes news, and it makes news, I think, in a lot of cases because we think, wow, I don't want that to happen to anybody you know. And uh, think about it. Ronald Reagan, back in the early 1990s, that was a really big deal when Ronald Reagan, former president of the United States, came out and said, I have dementia. He issued a public statement. And Nancy was there with him, his wife, right up until the end as Ronald Reagan died of dementia. And a little bit, uh, I'd say, closer to home, because he played a show during his farewell tour, Glenn Campbell. 
Glenn Campbell was an absolutely amazing musician. You look at his resume, you look at his list of hits, you look at a list of the people with whom Glenn Campbell played, and it is just beyond impressive. He played a show over at uh, UB, and one of those shows where you might have gone in thinking, all right, it's Glenn Campbell, I think I'll check it out. And you walked out saying, Glenn Campbell is absolutely amazing. And the interesting thing about Glenn Campbell on that tour, and it, it's something about the brain that I don't quite understand how it works, but Glenn Campbell would be playing these very intricate solos on guitar, doing this very intricate finger-picking, muscle memory stuff, uh, was able to sing. I don't think he forgot any of the words. I think it's all involved in somehow muscle memory, something he's done a million times before. I think it just kind of comes automatically to him. Um, Glenn Campbell, by the way, is no longer with us, but there, there was one tragic moment during the show where they had done a song, and his daughter, who was playing with him, said something to the crowd, and then Glenn Campbell started playing the same song they had just played. And you really realized a little bit more what that disease really was. Because on the one hand, you've got Glenn Campbell flawlessly playing and, as I recall, flawlessly singing. It was an amazing show. But for as good as he was performing, his brain couldn't realize that he had done the same song that he just started to play again. And his daughter politely and lovingly said, no, Dad, we, we just did that one. And then they they moved on. But I'm, I'm kind of curious uh, because, you know, we have a lot of people in the audience who go through different things. You're going through different things at different points in your life. You know, some of you are going through the, I have young kids and I have no time for anything and I'm trying to build a career phase. Some of you are going through, well, this is what middle age is, huh? 35 years old, got a little bit of a pot belly, got a little bit of a butt, better get myself into shape. Uh, some of you are going into the, uh, when am I going to retire phase? And some of you are in the, I'm retired and I'm waiting for that knock on the door from the Grim Reaper phase. Um, that is, it's all part of the, the cycle of life. But... Some of you, and these are not mutually exclusive, by the way, some of you may be dealing with somebody in your life who has dementia. And I know people who have had to carry that unhappy burden for many, many years. And it is, on the one hand, such a loving thing you are able to do, taking care of somebody with dementia. And here's the thing, and you know that this is true. Sometimes people with dementia, because of the nature of their disease, let's just say sometimes they're not the nicest people in the world. You might get snapped at. Um, you might, they might get violent, physically violent. They might try to get that way with you. And it's not really their fault. They can't control it. Their mind isn't quite there. And obviously, Bruce Willis, he's, uh, what, 67 years old, 
and he's got a certain kind of dementia, and he'll get the best medical care that anybody can receive, but I don't know what good it is going to do him because of the course of the uh, of the disease. It just it seems to be a, a one way street. So uh, I'm kind of curious to find out. Um, everybody who listens to this show, have you or are you currently dealing with somebody with dementia? Are you doing it at home? Or did it get to be too much to handle at home and you've had to go the nursing home route? Looking back on it, were there any warning signs earlier on that the person that you loved was going through dementia? And there is a certain kind of dementia that affects, I think, about 8% of patients. And it's young onset dementia, which means somebody under the age of 65. And I'm not going to get into a lot of details on this, but I've had one experience with that, and it was absolutely tragic. It involved a man who was very much involved in the community. Um, I knew him through a certain activity, and uh, seeing this very intelligent, smart, vibrant man who was in his 40s, deteriorate as quickly as he did was absolutely heartbreaking. And I knew that something serious was going on when he would ask me the same question every time he saw me, even if it was just a couple of days apart. He would ask me the same question. And it only took about three times for me to kind of catch on that isn't this uh, young onset dementia and that's what it tragically was, and it, it happens. You know, you expect people at a certain age to get forgetful. Um, you know, we, we talk all the time about having a senior moment, and we all have senior moments. I've been having them since I was 35, probably younger than that. But this is not a senior moment kind of a thing. This is a the real serious thing. And I'd like to know your stories because – you may be of great help and assistance to other people who are listening to this show so they know that they are not alone in this situation. It's, it's almost like, you know, some diseases people don't want to talk about. Some diseases are stigmatized. I think dementia is one of those diseases that is stigmatized. And it's really, it, it's so unfair. You, you tell somebody, hey, I've got heart disease. I have kidney disease, uh, diabetes. And there's a totally different approach people have as opposed to, hey, I have dementia or my wife, my husband, I'm, I'm taking care of them. They have dementia. And it has got to be one of the most exhausting things you are ever going to do in, in your entire life. And my hat is off to those of you who are in a position where you are the primary caregiver to somebody with dementia. I'd like to find out what your situation is, and maybe you help out other people in in doing it, huh? 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. I don't know that I've ever done a show on dementia and caring for people with dementia in your lifetime, um, but... Uh, I think this is a good time to spend some time talking about it. And, you know, 
the closest that uh, I, I, the only I can only imagine how frustrating it is, not just for you, the caregiver, but for the patient, because if you will remember for about three months after I had covid, I'd be on the radio and I was struggling to find the right words. And it was that way in my personal life as well. It was so frustrating being on the air, knowing that I had this storehouse of words that I usually could access without any flinching and being on the air going, uh, you know, uh, uh, I couldn't think of the word. And it was that way for about three months after, uh, after I had COVID. But I knew it was going to get better. But with dementia, it, it doesn't get better. Um, and it, it's, it's got to be, I mean, I could laugh about it. It was frustrating, but I could laugh about it. But there's nothing to laugh about when people generally, genuinely have dementia. And there are so many people who are caught up in caring for somebody in their life with dementia. Um, husband, wife, sometimes a child, obviously more frequently a parent, but it is uh, just a um, uh, it, it's just a heartbreaking situation. And instead of putting a call on the air right now to uh, basically hear thirty seconds and then move, uh, then have to take a break, um, I'm deciding not to do that. I'm going to uh, I'm going to take care of some business first. Then we'll come back from the news and we'll go right to your telephone calls on WBEN. I think it's a show that uh, we really need to do. Uh, Bruce Willis is kind of the catalyst, but it's been on my mind for a while. It is Bowerly, Josh Schmidt back in the fold. Lucas Buckley did a fine job in his absence and talking about uh, dementia. Bruce Willis is in the news now, but we've had other very famous people um, with very publicly acknowledged dementia. Former President Ronald Reagan, music icon Glenn Campbell, and of course, uh, as I just mentioned, Bruce Willis. Uh, your experiences with uh, dealing with it. It's got to be frustrating. It's got to be difficult. And I'm sure that some of you listening to this show are going to call in and say, you know what, you dealt with it at home as long as you could, but there came a point where you simply couldn't do it anymore, and it was tough, uh, but you just you, you were simply overwhelmed. You could not handle it. Uh, let's go to Dory in East Aurora. Dory, you were on WBEN. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Um, we took over my mother's care when another family member had placed her in a, a nursing home that we went to visit, and she wasn't being well taken care of. So we moved her closer to us, and we realized her dementia was a lot worse than we thought. Uh, she was able to feed herself. Uh, she was mostly wheelchair-bound, but she wouldn't eat unless you were sitting there with her saying, oh, that looks really good. I want to eat that. And then she would eat it. And so for 442 days, my husband and I went to the nursing home. Mm. One of us was always there encouraging her to eat or doing her exercises or encouraging her to walk so that she wouldn't get, you know, stiff. And it, it worked really good. She was happy. She played bingo. Um, some days she liked us, some days she didn't. But when the lockdown came, uh, they wouldn't let me come in anymore. So I said, okay, that's fine. Let my husband come in because he's not only her son-in-law, he's her doctor. And they said he was non-essential, and they refused to let him come in. 
Exactly two weeks later, they called us and said, come fast. She had starved to death. I held her hand while she died. She was skin and bones. Her body was totally mottled, and she was gasping for every single breath. And Governor Cuomo's response was, who cared? Who cares? They died. So I want everyone to know that there is a group in western New York which has gone statewide. We're called We Care. We're a branch of Save Our Seniors. And we have We Care buttons. We help people with um, families in nursing homes. Janice Dean is one of our spokespeople. She wears our buttons. And the buttons are green. And they simply say, who cares? And underneath them, they say, we care. We cared then. We care now, and we will always care. Just out of curiosity, and, just out of curiosity, did wasn't the nursing home under an ethical obligation to feed her intravenously? No, she she was able to eat by herself, and they they knew. I sent them an email the day they locked me out, and I said, "You know, she won't eat if I'm not sitting there with her." And so I contacted the Department of Health, and I talked to a lady. I won't give her name, but no. she said, "Oh, I understand." And I said, we'll give you an exception, which is what they did. But the nursing home never contacted me to tell me that the um, Department of Health had, had made an exception to allow me to come in. And I verified this with the nurse who no longer works there, who was the head nurse on that floor. That yes, they knew that the Department of Health said I could come in, but they decided not to let me come in. And again, they... Um, when I complained that they wouldn't let her doctor come in, licensed New York State physician, current license, they said he was non-essential. So I guess it wasn't essential to keep my mother alive. However, I have to tell you, because of her sacrifice, I have met the most incredible people across the entire state. Claudia Tenney and um, other people like Janice Dean and Senator Galvin's been helping us and Dave DiPietro's been helping us. And we're all trying to bring awareness to the fact that the nursing homes need improvement, but we can't wait for them to get better. We have to be careful with the people that are in there now because they're dying. They're dying from isolation. They're yeah, dying just, from neglect. Just, just out of curiosity, did you talk with an attorney about a wrongful death lawsuit? Yeah, I did. And uh, COVID deaths are extremely difficult to prove. There's currently a class action lawsuit against the same nursing home with all the weaker cases. But this this was a starvation. This was a starvation death, correct? Correct. Yes. Seems to uh, me that that would. It, I mean, that's well, rather inexcusable. Well, yeah, they called it failure to thrive because she didn't thrive. She didn't eat. Um, I do have an open case. It has been filed in Supreme Court, and I I can't say the name of the greatest attorney in Buffalo. No, 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 no. I, I want to stay away from names of, of nursing homes, whether it's good or bad or no, 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 no. I'm not trying to, you know, I do have a, a great attorney. And, again, um, I also told them, and it's, it's in the paperwork, that I'm not looking for a financial settlement. And if there is one, it goes to the grandchildren. I, I never want to see a penny from this. You know, all I want is for them to never do this again to another daughter. And if my suffering and my sacrifice can save one daughter from going through what I went through, 
and it's worth it. And I, again, I have made so many wonderful friends across the whole state. Understood. It's Doria, I, I, I need to move on to some other people. I thank you very much uh, for the phone call. I appreciate it. Good luck with your organization. Uh, very, very tough. I mean, the pandemic was uh, obviously something that uh, was new to us, new to our experience, um, and added an extra tragedy. If you're just joining us, uh, talking about dementia. Uh, Bruce Willis in the news with a certain kind of dementia. Uh, has it touched you um, personally with a family member? It's very, very common. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Alex in uh, Buffalo. And again, we're not going to name any names, doctors, hospitals, nursing homes. We're not doing that. But you're on WBEN. Alex, hello. Hi there. How are you? Yes, ma'am. Um, so I am a social worker at a local hospital um, in dementia. It's, it's it's running rampant. It's pretty much what I do every day is putting people in appropriate placements for the level of care that they need. And unfortunately, there is a huge gap um, in service connection with providing care to patients with dementia, particularly those of low income. Um, in order to get a memory care bed at an assisted living facility, you're looking at anywhere from six to $8,000 a month. Um, and Medicaid does not chip in for that. Now, for skilled nursing homes, you need to have a reason for a nurse. You know, Dory, it sounds like, unfortunately, with her mom, she had some complications where she needed a nurse to help her with her daily activities of living. But for those who have memory issues, need 24-hour supervision, but don't necessarily need nursing care, unless you have six or $7,000 a month to cough up, your, you know, your options are super limited. Yes. Have you uh, come across families who have uh, reached into their own uh their own 401ks, their own futures to uh, support the, uh, to offer memory to, uh, support to uh, elderly parent? I mean, as much as people can, but I, I think um, especially the demographic that we serve in the Buffalo area, um, you know, those means are, are often pretty limited and just not existent. So what, what happens if uh, somebody goes into the facility and then runs out of money? So it would be on the it would be the facility's burden to come up with a safe discharge plan, um, but a lot of times they'll just release them back to family, or you know they won't honestly assisted living won't offer a bed unless you can prove that you can pay for an extended amount of time. Some of them will ask for two three years of payment in advance, um, or at least show that you have the resources to provide that before they'll even offer you a bed. Wow. Uh, is, is there anything, as somebody who works with people with uh, dementia, is there anything that can be done to uh, improve the quality of life, or is it just a steady downhill trajectory? Um, I think the best thing that people can do is just support, reach out, lean on each other, check out support groups. Um, a lot of times you, you want to reorient your family member, you know, if they're confused about where they are, what they're doing, what time it is. Sometimes you're better off just feeding into the delusion because all you're going to do is create an argument and confuse them even more. Um, so as long as it's, it's safe, you, you kind of just have to support them through whatever their, you know, whatever their mindset is and meet them where they're at because... Mm. Creating an argument may create a behavioral issue that 
you know, will just exacerbate the, the problem. Is that tough to explain to family members when they come in to visit the patient? Absolutely. It, it can be because as you're, you know, you're used to seeing your family member in a certain presentation. Oftentimes, you know, family members will say that they were very sharp, very quick witted, um, not easily confused. And so sometimes it's difficult to, uh, you know, hear your family member sound so confused, especially when they're repetitive. Um, you know, you may have heard the same story, the same situation, the same phrase over and over and over again, and it can get frustrating. Um, but again, as you've mentioned, you know, imagine how that individual feels, you know, being so unaware and, and having those struggling moments. And it can be difficult when you have moments of lucidity where you, you know enough to know you're confused. Um, and a lot of times people will comp- they'll try to compensate for that by avoiding direct questions or, um, you know, being vague about things to try and compensate for the fact that they know that they're missing pieces of, of an important puzzle. Very interesting. What kind of training did you have to go through for your position? Um, so I have my master's in social work, and then I am licensed to practice social work in New York State. Any special training in uh, dementia or dealing with the elderly? Um, I take continuing education credits in order to maintain my license, and I try to focus um, the content of the continuing education on dementia and elderly care. Um, but it's, it it's, can be difficult to find. Um, I, yeah, I would, I would imagine. Um, one more question I have for you, and that is, uh, have, have you ever had to deal with uh, somebody who was a young uh, Alzheimer's patient or dementia patient? Yeah, definitely. We see a lot of that, especially with, um, they, they also have what's called Wernicke's dementia, so that sometimes when somebody drinks in excess throughout their lifetime and they have kind of an alcohol-related dementia, um, that tends to hit people at a, a much younger age. And that even further complicates finding long-term care because you look at assisted living facilities, some of them have age requirements of 55, 65 years or older. So when you have somebody presenting at a younger age than that, it, you know, adds another barrier to finding, you know, a safe space for them to, to carry on the rest of their lives. What do you wish everybody knew about dementia? Um, just to plan ahead for, for long-term care in general. I mean, Start having conversations with your parents now. They're difficult conversations to have. I'm in my early 30s. My parents are in their, their late 50s. Um, they're sick to death of, of hearing me talk about long-term care planning. But um, the earlier you talk about it and the more prepared you are, the better it is to plan in place and you're not scrambling where you have somebody stranded in a hospital that doesn't have a safe discharge plan. And, and, you know, you're finding yourself having to accept a bad offer that you don't necessarily want, but you have to take because you need to get them out of the hospital. Wow. Um, what's the most frustrating part of, of your job? Um, probably dealing with insurance companies mm. and nursing homes mm. that, uh, that don't want to pay for, you know, a care that's very obviously needed. Yeah, you know it's interesting because uh, the everywhere everywhere I go, any medical office I visit, insurance, 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 it's always at the top of the list. Um, 
and, and trying to get approval codes uh, for people. I mean, you can be on the phone all day long for one patient. Um, thank you very much, uh, Alex. I appreciate what you do. I appreciate your call. Thank you. Um, all right. There is somebody who is a social worker dealing with people with dementia. Has dementia affected your family? Has it affected you? It affects uh, millions of people around the country. Um, I'm sure that everybody listening to my show right now has had a family member or a friend with a family member, and they've had to deal with uh, dementia. And it's it's one of those things that people don't like to talk about. And I, I think that dementia is still stigmatized as other diseases are not. And that's uh, really it's really unfortunate. Despite Ronald Reagan, despite Glenn Campbell, despite Bruce Willis, it still uh, is stigmatized. Uh, it is uh, Bowerly with you. And this uh, Bruce Willis story um, got me to thinking about dementia and how it is affecting your lives. And again, we hear about the celebrities, the Glenn Campbells, the Ronald Reagans, the Bruce Willises, but people out there who are listening to this show um, are dealing with folks who are not celebrities, but they've got the same horrible disease. And I want to know how you're doing with it. Um, are you doing it at home? Did you try doing it at home and eventually you just couldn't handle it? Uh, 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Uh, let's get back to the calls. It is Teresa in Buffalo. Teresa, you're on WBEN. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Um, you were talking about before, um, you know, different behaviors. And I guess first of all, I watched the Glenn Campbell documentary years ago, and it was just absolutely heartbreaking, but he always remembered his music. Yes, he did. And I was caretaker for my dad. Um going to cry about it. Um, one thing he never forgot was how to play the piano. Um, he never forgot who I was, but he played piano since he was a young kid, and that's something he always, always remembered how to do. Even up until the end? Mm-hmm. Yep. What, what did the doctors have to say about that? I remember doctors talking about Glenn Campbell being still able to sing and play music, even though he would sometimes start to play the same song over again. What what, what did the doctors say? What, what causes that? Um, I don't think I really asked. I just always kind of thought maybe it's just something that's ingrained in your mind. I don't know. It's what he loved. Um, even if he turned out, you know, towards the end... He ended up having a stroke and was in hospice, but we put on um, the radio, like, with his big band music, and he just turned his head, like, <laughs> mm. you know, he was, he heard everything you said. Um, but I just noticed, you know, before he was really diagnosed, was just different behaviors, um, you know, almost childlike. He would start going into tantrums when he forgot how to do something. And I really have to give a ton of credit to the Alzheimer's Association. I was in their support groups for probably four years. Um, and you just can learn just so much, the different behaviors and things to watch out for. There's a difference between being old and forgetful and having dementia. Um, ended up, you know, I tried to care for him at home. I tried to get caregivers a couple days a week, but I had to 
end up putting him in assisted living. Um, so he was supervised 24 hours a day. It got to the point that I wasn't sleeping at night, wondering what he's doing and is he going to fall. And it was it was horrible, and, and it's mm. a horrible thing to watch someone go through. I I can imagine. Teresa, sorry that you uh, had to go through that. I thank you very much uh, for the phone call. Uh, We will hear what uh, some other folks have to say about this. Uh, Dementia, we hear about it with the celebrities, but it's a real-world thing, and it happens to every every person in your life is going to be touched at some point or another, maybe yourself, by dementia. And uh, take your calls at 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. And I think one of the... uh, one of the good parts about you calling in is the fact that people who are going through this might kind of feel like they're all alone, as people often do when something isn't going right. Well, you're not, you aren't alone. There are other people out there going through uh, going through the same thing. 